Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, back from the coast, back in the studio. How are you doing? Uh, we're back. We're back. Good morning. Well, it's good to see you, Bill. I know the, the first week back from vacation, is, uh, is it always seems twice as long as it really is. Well, clearly the vacation was way too short. It wasn't nearly what I was hoping it would be. Uh, we, um, in fact, I, I need to apologize uh, to some of the folks out there because we had a glitch in my office last week uh, while I was gone, uh, and we had seminars, uh, as you know. And, of course, the seminars was, were very successful and meaningful except for one thing. And that is that I was told by my team that we had no one sign up for the 630 seminar. Uh, And unfortunately, that was not true. Mm. All of our folks who had registered online, uh, for whatever reason, uh, that did not come through. And so uh, I was misinformed if you will so the bottom line is i wasn't there for the 630 seminar and i just felt so so bad when i learned that we had a number of people who signed up so those folks we've offered free seminar uh, free appointments uh uh, for to try to make amends but it's uh it's one of those you know it's a shame that we're not perfect i mean and that was just one of those glitches where I just felt so bad because the truth is I could have been there. Uh, Of course, as you know, I had to come back from the beach in order to do these seminars because we had a uh, – my senior associate uh, was out on a serious medical leave. And and so the bottom line is my vacation wasn't really a vacation, but I left the beach at O-Dark 30 in order to come back to do the seminars and then – I could have been there at 6.30 if I would just known to do it. But, uh, of course, I ended up driving back to the beach late that night uh, to try to get the, some vacation in. But I still felt really, really bad about it. And so I apologize as, as deeply as I can apologize to those folks. And, you know, it's, it's funny, but um, over the last 18 years that I've been doing these monthly seminars, this is the first time that this kind of thing has, has happened. And, um, you know, there, there was actually a time years ago, probably about 15 years ago, when we were using a hotel. And at, the, at that time, uh, I had a um, professional help. And unfortunately, the, the professional actually canceled a contract on, a, on the hotel room. And the hotel rented out the room, and we showed up not knowing that they had done it. And oh, boy. So that was a pretty big glitch, too. But the hotel actually crammed us into a hotel room, and so we had about 30 people sitting on top of themselves. But we had a good time, and it actually turned out to be a pretty good uh, seminar. But this was the first time that we just totally missed the boat, and mm-hmm, that's not good on me. Well, that, that's okay, Bill, and I'm sure that uh, the listeners out there understand, and there's plenty of opportunities to attend a free seminar. Hopefully, you didn't sign up for that <laughs> 631 last week. <laughs> well, it won't happen again. That's I can right. assure you of that. Uh, that's that's for sure, but, um, you know, th- there we go. You know, sometimes you just can't uh, do everything exactly right, and that was one of those things. So, for those folks, I'm very, very apologetic, but... 
this morning, as as you know, I've got a special guest. That's right. And um, I think it's really important because uh, the, the, most of the folks know that uh, our estate planning practice focuses a good bit on special situations particularly those that affect our seniors. And um, one of the, the bad things about getting older is that um, our bodies don't work as well <laughs> as they did a few years ago, unfortunately. And, uh, and the bottom line is, is that uh, sometimes our failures get uh, pretty serious. And so, in other words, seniors tend to deal with medical issues um, far more than their junior counterparts. Uh, and oftentimes, um, well, the problem, uh, frankly, is that families don't know how to deal with it. And, of course, um, as an elder law attorney with a lot of experience, I deal with these issues on a legal and financial basis. In other words, I help people get um, the financial assistance they need, government assistance, because nobody except those who are very, very wealthy can afford the cost of long-term care. But there's another issue uh, that is just as important. And you've heard me say often that you don't know what you don't know. And that's one of the biggest problems um, for folks um, in uh, dealing with crisis that occurs. And sometimes a, clo a crisis is actually something that creeps up on you as opposed to hits you in the face. And other times, those crises hit you in the face. But the, the bottom line is, if you've never experienced before, you don't recognize it, and you don't necessarily know what to do. And even if you think you know what to do, you don't know your options and alternatives. So as a result of that, I have learned that there is a group of professionals um, that are very reasonably priced, much more reasonably priced than attorneys, okay, that families can turn to for the advice that they truly need. And that's why I invited uh, Carla Payne to, to join me this morning. And she is an independent care manager. Uh, they used to be called geriatric care managers, but ab about the time I learned their formal name, they changed their name, and now they're the aging life care professionals, which it doesn't matter what you call them. They really are important, and so <laughs> uh, uh, Carla, uh, uh, welcome. Thank you. I am so glad you could be with us. First, um, uh, give our folks an opportunity to know a little bit about you and your background. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate this opportunity, and um, I'm thrilled to share the message of the Aging and Life Care Association so more folks know how to find a certified care manager to help them. I wish I would have had one, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so... My journey started in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, through uh, different events, made our way to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And while in Philadelphia, I was the long-distance daughter, like so many of our other um, families out there. And my dad's health was continuing to decline. And I would call every day, 
and try to help as I could from the distance with two wonderful older brothers who just were not able to to step in during for their life circumstances at that time. Um, I didn't know about care management. And so I called a service that I had seen advertised that was a free service that set up some tours. So I flew down and we went and toured, but they were not the fit that we could afford or for my, what my dad needed. Mm-hmm. So I had two days to try to help my mom get him somewhere. And, it, and that's a rushed crisis situation. And so we made well, a bad let me, decision. Let me go back. Yeah. How did you know what he needed? How did I know what he needed? He needed to get out of the house. It was not safe. My my father, his health and his mental health mm-hmm. were were really getting to the point of crisis where okay. it was not safe mm-hmm. for he to stay in the house. And mm-hmm. so it was it it was an urgent need that okay. had to take. So place. you took care of that. I took care of it, but I I did it the best I could. Mm-hmm. But it was not um, the best fit, mm-hmm. and and that really spurred me to. Um, what could I do differently? And so while in Pennsylvania, I started volunteering as an ombudsman. And a lot of folks have heard that word, but not quite sure. Mm-hmm. It's an advocate for seniors. Every uh, county has the Office of Aging, and they have an assigned ombudsman. Mm-hmm. But anyone can volunteer and go through the training to be that advocate for seniors. So I started going to nursing homes and visiting those who did not have visitors, mm-hmm. did not have family members, and advocating for their rights. Mm-hmm. And that led me to go back to grad school, actually, and get a certificate in gerontology. And then I took a class, How to Start Your Own Business, as I found out about the National Association of Professional Geriatric Care Managers. And that, Bill, is why we rebranded, because that's a mouthful. True. <laughs> NAPGCM. <laughs> so now it's it's the Aging Life Care Association. A lot easier to say ALCA. So, um well, for you know, for some folks, they wouldn't know what geriatric uh, means. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and it's such an old word. And we're 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 all aging, and so we need to be uh, sensitive to those those uh, labels, mm-hmm. right? Um, so from there, I started a care management business with a business partner who has a nursing background. Mm-hmm. My background's in counseling, and together we formed uh, a company in Pennsylvania. And after five years, we felt the pull back to North Carolina because we had two teenagers and we knew if we didn't move, we were going to be stuck in Pennsylvania probably the, you know, when they went to college and the rest of our lives. So we chose Wake Forest okay. rather than going back to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Love Charlotte, mm-hmm. but Wake Forest, Raleigh, the Triangle. And I joined another company, um, wonderful organi- organization in, in uh, Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And then two years, for two years ago when we first moved here, and then just this past January, went out on my own with Aging Care Matters, LLC. So okay. I've been part of the association since 2010, but um, the path has has led me to many, many families and amazing stories and opportunities. Okay. So you're to telling help. me you're not the only aging life care I manager in Wake County, then? No, in fact, I'm the proud, a current Triangle unit leader, and there are over 25 of us. Okay. And you can find a care manager by just going to Aging Life Care Association, find an expert. They have this great mm-hmm. little orange button in the top right hand corner just click on it plug mm-hmm. in your zip code and you can see a bounty all over the country of certified care managers that you know have to follow the ethical principles the education and experience background supervision and pass the national exam to be in that list okay now tell tell our folks why or what a care manager can do for you we are fixers <laughs> okay. we fix it 
So we try to stabilize uh, a situation. Oftentimes we're called in at a crisis and, and that's unfortunate. And I think that many families struggle with feelings of guilt that they should be able to handle it. They mm-hmm. should be able to figure things out for themselves, for their parent. And oh, I should back up and say, the majority of our clients are the adult children who are hiring us to help them in their situation. So those are the folks who are hiring us to help with their parents. Because the adult children don't know what to do. They're doing their best. But then, the, <laughs> but the thing is this, like if, if, if my toilet breaks, I'm calling the plumber. If my car mm-hmm. breaks down, I'm going to the car shop. These aging issues are complicated with the ever-growing uh, numbers of dementia, the, the different diagnoses that are taking place, mm-hmm. the, the needs, the scams that are going on. Um, it's important for families to know that there are experts. This is what we do day mm-hmm. in and day out. Well, I think, I think that's really where the key is, and that's why any family that, from my own perspective, can afford it, Right. I refer folks to independent uh, care managers. Now, mm-hmm. I say, you know, you don't have the word independent in your association, uh, but there are social workers and mm-hmm. care managers who actually work for agencies, particularly like home care agencies. Uh, they almost always will have a care manager to come in and assess to tell you how many hours of care the agency needs to help you with. But my preference, quite frankly, are with uh, folks who are totally independent of that because from my perspective, there, there are two things that are really important about it, and it's worth the, the little bit of money that it costs. Mm-hmm. Number one, you get an objective opinion, not one who is working for a home care agency that is uh, being paid by the home care agency to recommend hours. Uh, not that they're not professional. I think they are, but I think it's more objective when you have someone independent. Excellent but, point. But I think that an independent care manager can also do a whole lot more for a family then simply assess the the home and to recommend a number of hours of care. Uh, And I I want to talk about a few stories as it relates to that, but could you just uh, tell folks for for a few minutes as to um, what are those, uh, some of the things that an independent care manager Mm -hmm. might do for a family that uh, 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 someone working for a home care agency would not do? That is such an excellent point, and I really appreciate you bringing that up. And there are also some assisted living communities that have the the phrase care manager for their aides that work within the building. Mm -hmm. And that is completely different than a care manager, as you say, that's independent uh, through especially the association. Number one on my my checklist is to look at those legal – their, their toolkit. Do they have their power of attorney in place? Do they have their health power of attorney in place? Have they set up their advanced directives and their will? And that's where the partnership with firms like yours um, are so important, Bill, that I know and I can trust that I can give that referral to you and know that they will be in good hands looking out for their best interest. Those documents are crucial. Um, also looking at the home environment, are they able to stay independent in the home? And if there need to be adjustments, making those referrals to reputable contractors or services to help set up those safety features. 
Well, what about hospitals? What about rehab? Absolutely. In fact, many folks may not know that when you go into the hospital, sometimes you're in under observation. And it's only if you're admitted in the hospital for three nights does Medicare cover your rehab stay. And I've had a client actually that was in Pennsylvania, was in the hospital for nine days mm-hmm. and was not admitted. They look like you look like everything looks the same, but on paper they were under observation, which means they were not Medicare would not cover those expenses for rehab. Right. No. So, right. And that's that's a huge. In fact, huge. I'm sure the hospital uh, broke its own policy in doing it. I had the same thing happen to a client that several was years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it was years ago. Uh, and uh, but I know we have to take a break. But oh, there's okay. an awful lot to cover uh, this, and we got a lot of stories to tell. So let's. Let's see where we go from here. Yeah, we'll do just that. We've got Carla Payne here in the studio. She is an independent care manager involved with the Aging Life Care Association. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we've got a special guest here in the studio. It is Carla Payne. She is an independent care manager with the Aging Life Care Association. And Bill, we're uh, just before the break, we teased some scenarios and stories sure. that we wanted to share that uh, are important. Well, you have to go back. You know, there, most people really and truthfully don't know what an elder law attorney is. You know, they figure any old attorney can do everything. And, of course, that's not the way it works. Uh, attorneys basically do focus on certain aspects of the law and try to get good at it. And elder law is one of those complicated areas uh, where if you don't do it all the time, you're not going to do very well at it. So uh, there are very few attorneys who focus on elder law, but when families face any kind of serious um, crisis uh, related to long-term care issues or just aging issues, uh, and it can come in a lot of different flavors. Uh, an elder law attorney can do so much more than any other kind of attorney. And even the documents, and it is extremely important for folks to know that the documents that elder law attorneys are very different from what a typical um, hometown attorney might do for a family. But there are even fewer people who have even heard of a life care manager or a geriatric care manager, and they don't know what these professionals can actually do for them. You know, from my perspective, going to your doctor to find out what to do because your loved one is aging is the wrong thing to do. I mean, if they're sick, sure, but doctors don't really have much expertise when it relates to what do you need to do? I mean, what, uh, and and this is where uh, the professionals like Carla really come in. And I'll, I'll give you a scenario. In fact, these folks were in my office yesterday, <laughs> okay? 
family comes in. They actually drove uh, from eastern North Carolina a couple hours to get to my office, which is not all that unusual. Uh, and they, they had moved their mother from Virginia. It was sort of a unique situation. Uh, the, uh, there were uh, two brothers involved. One a brother lived in Virginia, and the mother had lived in Virginia. Uh, and actually, they had um, a guardianship. It was a limited guardianship, what we would call in North Carolina a guardianship of the person. And both the brothers were appointed uh, co-guardians. Um, and a guardian of the person is, uh, would be the equivalent, uh, albeit a little more powerful because it's got a court seal behind it, but uh, it's the equivalent of a health care power of attorney. It, it gives uh, an agent the ability to make health care decisions for a loved one, and in this case, uh, their mother. And their mother uh, was actually a, a brilliant woman, um, a, a businesswoman, an executive who was used to ruling the roost. <laughs> and guess what? She now has dementia. And dementia is very difficult to deal with, uh, particularly when somebody's used to making all the decisions. Uh, because typically, with at least in my experience with dementia, that uh, folks generally their personality goes in one of two directions. They're either sweet, demure, very compliant, you know, tell me what to do and, you know, just nice as they can be. Or they might go in the other direction, <laughs> which can be very, very difficult to deal with. Well, you can guess which, the, which way this, this lady is. But the thing about it is her clearly, her dementia, at least as explained to me, is in that moderate stage. I mean, the court declared her incompetent and uh, appointed uh, the co-guardians, the brothers. Well, now, now they moved. They both uh, agreed that it would be best to move uh, their mother to North Carolina, which they did. So that may end up changing the guardianship from Virginia to North Carolina, uh, but, but that's really not the issue. Problem is, is that the brothers are now in disagreement on how to take care of mom. Mom was in a facility uh, and in a dementia care unit uh, at $12,000 a month. And now she's actually living in uh, one of her homes located in uh, North Carolina. Uh, and while she, her primary home is in Virginia, uh, her secondary home was actually where her other son lives. And while she'd rather be in the Virginia home, she's familiar with the home in North Carolina. And she's not severely demented because she recognizes her children. She recognizes her uh, grandchildren, uh, she uh, cues well, um, and uh, she can do most everything for herself. In other words, her mind is gone but she, or to, to a degree, but she can still open the refrigerator and make sandwiches and dress and go to the restroom and things like that on her own. Well, the question is, does she need 24-7 care? Uh, what you know, you know, who needs to be there, how long. Um, it, you know, she's relatively happy. Her short-term memory is clearly shot because she asked, you know, she'll ask 
she'll say, I want to go back to my home in Virginia. But she was just, when she was in a facility, she was a hellion. I mean, she basically wanted out. She wanted to go home. She was mean to everybody. But in North Carolina, at her home, she's actually complacent. You know, she'll ask to go home, and you can tell her, well, we'll take you home tomorrow, and that satisfies her. And then she'll ask to go home again the next hour or two, and because her short-term memory just isn't there. Well, clearly because the brothers were in disagreement, because the other brothers said, no, she needs to go back to a facility. You're just not doing enough, even though they were actually having somebody stay with mom 24-7. Uh, you know, some sometimes it was family members, sometimes it was this person's uh, daughters. Uh, and here's where the rub was. You know, one daughter was 19, there was another daughter who was 15, and another daughter who was 13. Now, the 13-year-old was never there by herself, but the bottom line is grandmama knew them, was complacent with them, would basically do for them, those kind of things, and it, it was working out fairly well. They, they live just uh, about, about a mile down the road. Well, the bottom line is this was a perfect situation where an independent care manager needed to come in and evaluate and make recommendations so that they could basically do what a, a specialist, a, an, a professional, would recommend needed to be done. Uh, so here we go, Carla. Let's say they come to you. Okay, I'm ready. What would you do? Okay, but the listeners can't see this, but I was taking fast and furious notes while you were sharing. Sure. And that's something um, I I try to capture everything that a family member is sharing. And as I'm processing what you shared, um, I would ask to meet with mom and have my own assessments done. We have a toolkit as certified care managers to do our own mini mental depression screening, safety evaluations. And it's not coming in with a white coat and a clipboard, but it's often very um, in conversation and relaxed in that environment. So we're able to get some of the insights that you may not see in a doctor's office. What I hear is that she was a brilliant, amazing, hardworking woman, Mm -hmm. and she needs a purpose. So it may be that looking at an adult day center, that would be somewhere she could go for activities that are support memory issues, but giving her a job that, and imposing it as such is, would you help? We need your help in this community to help mm-hmm. with your expertise and whatever that is, that there's a job, that there's a purpose. Um, communicating with the brothers and, and offering them counseling and guidance because when we deal with families, we have a history um, and it's unique in every family. And sometimes Things that come up in these age-related issues to the parent go so far back. And so I always look at opportunities to encourage counseling, therapy, and I, and I often incorporate it into my care management with my background and try to pull some of those things and help nurture that each person feels validated. Um, they're wonderful also opportunities to look at as her needs progress and perhaps she can't stay in the home but maybe a group home where there's just five or six residents versus a community that might feel more. 
Well, here's here's the thing though. the The bottom line is uh, the fact that you would do a thorough mm-hmm. evaluation and assessment. And that, and one thing you didn't mention that I know you do is you'd also evaluate the home, Absolutely. and the caregivers, and be able to assess the need for how much care and when. In other words, do they need 24-7? Because I've seen a lot of dementia folks, particularly ones, and this one thing I didn't say, this was a lady who sleeps through the night. Oh, well, there you have it. (laughs) Well, I'm just simply saying that one brother basically was thinking, not knowing, because neither one of these folks had any background whatsoever, that mom, in order to be safe, needed to be institutionalized, even though he knew uh, and knew that it would be more expensive, much more expensive, and she would hate it, that she would she would hate anybody involved who basically placed her. Nobody wants to be institutionalized. Right. I don't care uh, what the situation is. And frankly, I have never, ever, at least in my experience, ever seen where institutionalization is safer or better than a family that can offer 24-7 care one-on-one at home. And if I could just add that there are two clients I currently am working with that I help them to set up a monitoring system with cameras Mm -hmm. and a alarm that's on the bed. So when there's movement getting up off the bed, it triggers that the person's phone will ring and they can see what mom is doing. Right. And mom was sleeping through the night. So that's a way that at least in the evening for now, you feel that there might be some safety issues. Well, then you have a monitoring. Mm-hmm. And if you see that pattern, then you address it. Yeah. And a lot of folks don't realize, uh, too, that those monitoring systems uh, can, can be unsophisticated, like going oh. to Lowe's or Home Depot and buying a security camera system that's turned inward over to a computerized system that lets you know when they get out of bed and go to the bathroom and and uh, sit in their favorite chair and things like that. My favorite mm-hmm. is a $2 system where it's just a latch that goes into the back of the door jam and you can flip it, but it's up high and it blends in mm-hmm. so the door's not able to open. If there's wonders that you can't actually with a very simple $2 solution. Well, there you go. See, these are things, but you see the other thing about evaluating the home and being able to make recommendations is that you can make recommendations on what needs to be done to the home to make sure that it's safe. It may be as simple as unplugging the stove, you know, putting these two door mm-hmm. latches, taking the rugs up mm-hmm. so that it's safer to walk around, particularly when there's a risk of falling. Um, but the bottom line is, until you recognize that it's a problem, how would you know what the solution is? Exactly. So, I mean, it's just like, for me, uh, okay, I'm getting the evil eye here. I know we need to take a break. So we'll come back with some more stories. We will come back with some more. Again, Carla Payne here is in the studio. She's an independent care manager with the Aging Life Care Association. Back with more on asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with 
Bill Alexander. We've also got a special guest here in the studio. It is Carla Payne, and she is an independent care manager with the Aging Life Care Association, and we're sharing stories and kind of explaining what an independent care manager is. And this is, uh, as we've seen, Bill, uh, an extensive and and very helpful role for someone who's in a, a caregiving situation. Well, no, no question about it, and it's it's the kind of thing where, um, even though I'm very familiar with the law and the rules and things like that, <clears throat> it there are still so many things that even with the experience that I have, because I've taken care of my mother, I've taken care of my brother, I've seen a lot of different health issues, but I'm not a doctor. And I certainly don't know how to talk doctor. I know how to talk lawyer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the thing about it is, is that, um, uh, you know, when my brother was in the hospital not uh, long ago, um, he went in with a major stroke. So my um, assumption would have been, I mean, stroke victims need rehab. I mean, that's a no-brainer. So... I just assumed that the first day he was admitted, because they they knew he was going to be um, in the hospital. They were not going to discharge him. But I learned, because federal law requires them to report the next day, that his first day he was on observation, not admitted. Well, you have to have three nights of admission to go to rehab. So, frankly, I hit the ceiling when I realized that. And, of course, they changed it to admission immediately and kept him the requisite number of days before rehab as they had to. But at the same time, I was really upset for the fact that the first day when it was a no-brainer that the man would need rehab was observation. And so at this point, I have to assume that the first day is always going to be observation unless you raise hell with with the hospital. And it's it's an important... uh, thing because not every you know they try to get you out of the hospital as quickly as they possibly can these days Um, but the bottom line is is knowing hospital speak can be extremely helpful and something that Carla has not mentioned yet that I think is really important to families is the fact that an independent care manager can be your hospital advocate Mm -hmm. Because most families don't know how to deal with the doctors and the nurses and the, the uh, therapists and their team that determines how long you stay in the hospital, when you go to rehab, how long you stay in rehab, what rehab you get, and the whole bit. Um, and, and so it's, it's, from my perspective, any family that can afford it truthfully should have an independent care manager uh, for those hospital times uh, and particularly uh, well and we we just had a, a, a recent case where uh, a, a lady came to me in crisis and she truthfully was out of her element completely when she came to see me. Her husband was in the hospital. He was very sick. uh, And she just had no clue what to do about anything. He had always taken care of everything. He paid the bills. He managed uh, everything about them. And she was a wonderful person, a wonderful wife, 
they had no children. And so the bottom line is she just had no clue what to do. And because of that, obviously I knew what to do legally, but I was not in a position to help her with all of those other issues uh, in dealing with the hospital or dealing with any of of the other uh, home issues that she had. So guess what? I referred her to an independent care manager. Uh, And that particular instance, it happened to be Carla. So, Carla, I know you know what case I'm talking about. So tell me what happened and what you did. We're still working with the client. Um, (laughs) Her spouse did pass away. Yeah, I know And we uh, are helping with all of those logistics that uh, she had not worked with any of their banking, financial records, any of the logistics of the home, even changing the filters in the home. Her husband handled everything. So we're helping her and giving her that support uh, even now throughout. In fact, the day that he passed, uh, I I stepped in and really tried to help uh, navigate with all the details related to the funeral arrangement so she could focus on all the love and support from the neighbors and the friends uh, that were coming. Well, tell me what you did in the hospital the first day. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The first day. Um, First day we met and I, I gathered information from the entire team. He was in a rehab community, so it was a matter of getting the information from the social worker, physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, nutritionist, gathering all that information and and evaluating a care plan was needed, that we had another meeting to talk about next steps. Uh, When is his discharge going to be? And advocating that the discharge be extended, Um, looking at the logistics, is he capable of coming home? Would he need 24-hour care? But in this particular situation, he needed skilled care. So it was a matter of advocating for the rehab straight to skilled. I'll back up and just say that oftentimes in the hospital, a discharge is made usually within 24 to 48 hours. The discharge planner will talk to the family and provide a list. They're not able to say which one. They provide a list to the family of the options. That can be overwhelming. How do you know which one to pick? So not everyone can afford a private care manager. The average range, I would say, would be between um, 95 and 150 an hour in this region. Um, so it's a matter of those. Well, those are for your services that you're talking about. Care management within Aging Life Care Association, right. that's kind of an average of our hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And some have packages for assessments or facility support mm-hmm. and finding uh, locations and placement. But anyone who's listening, tell everyone you know that when you're given a discharge date and time, you can appeal. You can appeal. At well, you, most, you not only just appeal, though, that you can argue with the care care team right. uh, and get them to change their mind Absolutely. in terms of, of uh, when the discharge needs to be. Because those discharge teams have um, they they have pressure basically from Medicare to get you out just as quickly as possible. But if they have a legitimate reason that you can articulate That's as right. to why they should keep you, then they will. Now, I was the advocate for my brother because mm-hmm. I knew enough to do it. And I was able to keep him in rehab uh, for an extra week and a half mm-hmm. from when they wanted initially to discharge him. And guess what? That extra week and a half was enough to get him stronger so that he didn't have to stay in a nursing home. I could take him back to an independent living environment 
And it was all because he was strong enough to do it. While they were assuming, oh, he's going to nursing care, so let's just go ahead and get him discharged. And same scenario happened in Pennsylvania with the client. And I was reviewing the med list and saw that her antidepressant that they had started her on, they had cut drastically by accident. The nurse had transposed the numbers and cut it. And so, of course, the client had a drastic drop, was not participating in physical therapy, was just emotionally erratic. right. And when I found that, that then advocated for an additional three weeks that mm-hmm. she could stay, and that made all the difference. Well, and see, the other thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that oftentimes it is critical. And this is where attorneys and independent care managers and families come together and that is what discharge plan is in the best interest of the patient and the family because it's just as much about the family as it is the patient and a lot of folks don't realize that oftentimes the discharges uh, or the ones that are contemplated don't work and so in other words they don't work financially they don't work because the family can't do it so it's, um, it's a prescription that cannot be filled. So oftentimes what you have is a family actually needs a discharge um, uh, that uh, where uh, long-term care can actually be provided and the family can pay for it. Uh, so it might make a difference as to whether the discharge plan is into a nursing home or into assisted living because uh, what I try to teach in my seminars every week is the financial aid packages depend entirely on that discharge. There are lots of ways to get help for nursing care. There are very few ways. There are some, but a lot of folks aren't eligible for uh, the ways that can help you if you're in assisted living. Or home care. There are even less ways to get people assistance unless people are veterans uh, of during war periods. So the bottom line is it, it just depends on what those discharge. So most families don't have the ability to uh, advocate what their true needs are or, and particularly be able to say when a particular discharge won't work. Yeah, it's a, it's very challenging waters to navigate and to have someone there who's experienced in this world and who can look out for you and who can supply that information is very key and very valuable. Well, we'll be right back with more information. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. With Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Also have special guest here in the studio, Carla Payne with the Aging Life Care Association. And Carla, we're, uh, we're short on time here, but I just wanted to give you a chance here to let everyone know how they can get a hold of the Aging Life Care Association and maybe find an independent care manager if they're in a crisis. Well, I so appreciate this opportunity. And would just encourage anyone and everyone to spread the word and visit aginglifecare.org. And as soon as you get to the screen, at the top corner, you'll see an orange button, find an aging life care expert. 
You just click that button and put in your address, and you can search our, our membership and find someone within 10 miles, 25, 50 miles, and then you're, you can go from there and find someone that you can trust and uh, will help you through through this uh, yeah, it can be a very challenging time, and to have someone and, there to guide you along the way is key. And one of the things that's really important about the Life Care Association is uh, you have to be credentialed to join. You can't just say, I want to join your, and here's my $10. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> that, that peace of mind is key. It is. And I also want to say thank you for your presentations, because I've attended your presentations and have learned so much, Bill. Um, well, I, I appreciate that as well. And if you want to attend one of Bill's presentations yourself, you can go to WGALaw.com and register for the September seminars. There are three of them. It'll be the second Wednesday of the month. You can find plenty of information at WGALaw.com. And the Aging Life Care Association website, again, is aginglifecare.org, aginglifecare.org. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, I wanted to remind everyone before we get out of here that folks can catch you tomorrow morning on the CW22 on the TV oh at 8 a.m. with your TV show, Money Secrets. <laughs> and uh, you've also got a book out by the same name, which folks can pick up on Amazon. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I really want to uh, thank Carla, Carla Payne, for being with me this morning to tell folks about independent uh, care managers. And I just want to say how important it is, and particularly those families with uh, loved ones with dementia, those tend to be the most complicated cases, and those families could actually, um, I mean, anyone in crisis needs a care manager, but the truth is, is that the folks who are dealing with dementia need it more than others. Uh, and they need it before a crisis. And it's the time, type of thing where people really do need to know about these professionals and to utilize their services. Well, you need to utilize them, and you also need to utilize an elder law attorney as well. And, hey, I know a guy. You can go to <laughs> WGALaw.com to find plenty of information about Bill and schedule an appointment to speak with him. You can also call his office at 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll do it again next week here on Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. <laughs>